1: He missed out in Singapore, but it looks almost certain that this weekend, Max Verstappen will be crowned as the 2022 world champion. Welcome to episode 235 of the Grid Talk podcast. My name is Louis Edwards, and today we will be previewing the 2022 Japanese Grand Prix. Joining me today, we have sport writer, Owen Medford. Hello. We have Philip Matthew from the Grid Strip podcast. Hello. And we have Aaron Harper from The Five light, Five Red Lights. <laughs> Hello, good evening. Uh, before we start, if you are not already subscribed, because uh, 70% of you aren't, uh, make sure to subscribe and hit notification. You'll get notified every single time that we go live for one of our podcasts and you get to uh, get early access. And you also get to ask us questions in the comments. And if you could take time to leave us a five-star review, A review on itunes or spotify that will be greatly appreciated so away we'll just get straight into it max had a bit of an unfortunate um qualifying and race which kind of um halted his uh championship sort of stampede that he's been on recently but he only needs eight more points than leclerc this weekend and six more than checo so a race win and the fastest lap will take it. Do you think he'll he'll manage to pull it off this weekend? Uh,
2: I think I think so. I think some of the issues that have plagued uh, Red Bull uh, at Singapore are, uh, you know, Suzuka is a completely different challenge. And to be honest, it's it's the kind of it's it's a much more traditional circuit um, based on the pace that the, the car has has had everywhere else. Um, you know, I don't really see a, a scenario other than Max Verstappen. Um, having a, a great weekend. I don't necessarily. I, I think it's. I think it's fairly likely that he'll win the championship, um, and it would be a fairy tale for Honda if he did. Uh, obviously, winning at such an important event for them. Um, you know, it would it would look even it would look even better than last year's one. Um, but it's it's not it's not sort of a slam dunk. Um, you know, it, it, Verstappen realistically has to come first or or sort of second um, to to really make the difference assuming that leclerc and perez are finishing behind him um and uh and, and he has to outscore both of them um so it's it's not a done deal um but i think the biggest thing is that it doesn't really matter in that there's still a few races to go there were a few obviously there was a few races to go when he when he had a first shot outside chance of it in singapore and uh and 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 that's the sort of benefit of the of the early season dominance has now set him up in such a good position that it's almost like it's it's almost inevitable that he's going to get it this weekend or or, or maybe in uh, the USA.
1: Yeah, but uh, Philip Checo is going to play a big role this weekend. You know, as we we're saying, it's not a slam dunk. He needs to be finishing first ahead of Leclerc re- realistically. So a one-two for Red Bull is what they'll be dreaming of. This weekend, and coming off such a strong weekend in Singapore for Checo, he'll really want to replicate that, and hopefully, you know, well <laughs> help his teammate to win his second world championship.
0: Yeah, Checo had a great weekend uh, at Singapore, Louis, and it's uh, if that's similar to what he had at Monaco, you know, it, it seemed to be that's the best drive. They said it on the telecast; it's the best drive of his career, and honestly, it was. He was, it was him and Leclerc and they were in a different time zone. The rest of the race was going on behind them. No matter how many neutralizations took place within the race, no matter tire changes, but all that, um, Checo was at that level that he was ahead early in the season of his teammate. Um, in this case right now, Honda wants a one, two, they're struggling in other entities on the motorcycle side and, um, they just lost out on an IMSA title. I think they want this championship here. They know they're going to get both. Um, it's just a matter of when. Uh, I think they do want to lock up one of them here in Japan. And as of now, um, it looks very likely. Uh, first stop look look very ordinary uh, this weekend. And um, I'm sure they're going to want to rectify those mistakes. And Checo seems to be very um motivated and very comfortable again with the car which is probably a very bad sign for everybody else uh it lines him up very uh well for a possibility of getting second in the world championship drivers championship
1: at least yeah it does it does set up a great uh opportunity but aaron you know this weekend ferrari have just got to do what they can don't they like I think they know that both championships are out of reach, but if they can just keep pushing it as far as you know they can, yeah, if anything, that's just like a small victory for them. They've not let Max take it with so many races to go. They can just keep sort of delaying it that little bit and maybe have to wait till uh, the US.
3: Yeah, it's, 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 such, it's just such a case of what might have been for Ferrari. And I think realistically now, the, the last few races are just about winning, Two or three of them trying to win more of them than Red Bull do. I mean, they they had the car to win in Singapore as well, and the driver was Charles Leclerc. He was absolutely hustling the wheels off the thing at one point, but it was so difficult to, to pass offline that there was never really a chance to do it. And then he was the driver who made the error. I think Ferrari. Well, for, the thing is, Ferrari have got a car that suits pretty much every single track that we we're going to go to. It, it's got straight line speed it's got downforce in the corners. Okay, it porpoises, but it still gets through the corners and it doesn't look like a, a buckaroo, but it's just operationally where they're, they're falling down. And you, you can see realistically Charles Leclerc picking up four pole positions in the final five races, but only winning one of them. And that's just the way the Ferrari season has gone. And for a team of such history and such heritage and with the drivers that they have and the say I say the money and that's a very touchy subject at the moment which we won't get into um they should be performing better and I, I know that's stating the obvious but they really really should and they should be expecting more from themselves because they seem all too happy to just settle for second place at the moment they're not I feel doing enough to really take those victories that are on offer and they could have won every single race this season. It, it's it's ridiculous when if you think about it like that. And Verstappen is on the brink of sealing a world championship where he's not been, he's not technically had the car to win every race, if that makes sense. So for Ferrari, you know, a few wins would be almost a mini moral victory, but it's it's small change in terms of what the the big prize could have been this season for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we, we've we said it enough on this podcast. And I think it's the one uh, fan base in general have been saying just how poor Ferrari have been. More sort of just not actually on the track, but off the track. They've been so poor in their decision-making. It really, as <laughs> we look at it now, it really has that cost them a world championship. But as you rightfully said, Aaron, and I'll ask you, Owen, uh, what you said. Ferrari do have a very good car. You know, they have the straight line speed. So much of Suzuka, especially that final sector, is you know flat out. You know, how do you see Ferrari getting on this weekend? Would you be expecting them to really, you know, take control of this race and you know potentially win it with one of their two drivers?
2: Um, and I don't think that the fact that they've got the car for it is anything is, is in doubt whatsoever. Um, they showed in Monza that they had good late like, straight line speed, and 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 they do they've tended to have a bit more downforce um, than than uh, than the Red Bull has sort of had if they need to if they need to put it on, um, and that's obviously going to help them in m- multiple sections of Suzuka, particularly the um, the first and second sector. Um, I think the biggest thing though is. I think obviously Aaron touched on it. Is that sure they have ha- they've had a car fast enough to do it? Um, but they're, they're, it's almost like they're the Man United of Formula One, um, where they've got all the resources that they that they they're allowed. Um, they have you know this huge ne- the most famous name in motorsport. They've got you know a you know, honestly, just people who every every racing driver who's coming up through the ranks writes to ferrari and asks to them to keep an eye on them because it's every it's got to be everyone's dream in in some way um you know i think you'd be crazy to say otherwise but for whatever reason they can't they've been unable to convert that um i know they were close in singapore and you know that i that i you know getting a getting the result they did was was fairly good but they still lost out at the start um and you know Leclerc for whatever reason uh, I know it was a tricky race with the conditions and things like that could not get past and I, I there's there's a niggling feeling in the back of my mind that yeah sure they've got the straight line speed they've got the downforce they've got the ability to do it but it, it you know this is a this is a it, it, it's, it's man and machine and it's it's one half of that that just seems to be letting them down every single time. Um, so I have no doubts that they could do it, but I, I don't think they will, honestly.
1: I mean, that's fair enough. you just have to look at past races to know that. Yeah, Ferrari could have won it, but they didn't. Um, Philip, um, Mercedes um, didn't have a great weekend in the wet, I think, if that Singapore race was dry, start to finish, it would have been a lot better. But this weekend, again, it does look like rain is forecast, whether, you know, it's only forecast whether or not it actually happens is unknown. But do you think, you know, how much of an impact do you think it will have on Mercedes' results this weekend if it does rain uh, compared to if it stays dry?
0: well i think the lack of, there won't be anywhere near as much humidity uh at at uh, suzuka as there was at singapore uh that's one thing of course I'll also run in daytime um i don't know who's calling the race this fritas guy um delayed the race yesterday for an hour for no reason he delayed the monaco grand prix for an hour made them go out or like he made him go out for a lap, then he delayed the Monaco Grand Prix for an hour and he only had 64 laps. So who knows what they're going to do. I mean, I guess I grew up watching Formula One when the time was scheduled to race, they would race and they put full wets on and they'd go and let her all go. Um, In today's day and age of Formula One, I guess we need to have um damp racetracks to race which is insane because you have full wet weather and intermediate tires and very a good amount of strong drivers and teams um i mean i think the car's gotten better the suzuka circuit is more of a balance that's not like it's such a fast track it's not overly fast but it's not it's more tight and twisty in terms of roughness of the track, I would assume after a few years away, it'll be a little rougher than it was the last time they raced there. Um, it's a mixed bag for them. They lost out on a lot of points this weekend, um, Ferrari getting a second and this past weekend, Ferrari getting second and third, uh, has put them right back on the back foot in regards to trying to get second in the constructors. George Russell's first non um, top five finish um, while finishing a race in a basically nightmare scenario of a weekend for him. Lewis was trying very hard, but had nothing car was not very fast. Um, In the grand scheme of things, it's 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 something where they want to be able to, um, I think, get a couple of cars in the top six. I mean, that's really the goal they should be. They're the third best car on the grid. They should be aiming for that. Um, I would think that's on the cards. Um, I would assume that Ferrari and Red Bull are going to be ahead of them, which has been the case all year. Um, I do think that both of them will be motivated to make up for what ended up not being a great result on Sunday. I mean, Lewis had a decent shot on Saturday in qualifying. So there are signs or glimmers of hope, but there are a lot of glaring weaknesses with this um, car that make it very Difficult for them to compete relative to the top two teams. I do think they will get back to what their normal programming has been. Um, I think Singapore was quite an anomaly in many ways. Um, Hopefully the temperatures aren't so low that they can't switch the tires on, which then would expose one of the other issues that that car has.
1: Mm, Very true. i just going to touch, Aaron, on, on that sort of nightmarish sort of weekend not only for Lewis Hamilton, but for George Russell, you know, Russell just all weekend, you know, even from practice to the race, just nothing went his way. So he'll be wanting to come back and fight again and get back into that uh, P5 sort of position this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think you'll see George come back with a little bit of a point to prove. I mean, he was on a hiding to nothing as soon as they changed the engine, uh, the power unit. But the thing is that they're not really in a massive battle well they're in a battle for p2 in the constructors but it's not the end of the world for mercedes if they don't because they're in this business to be the winners and that's how lewis hamilton deals he deals in wins and that's it and that's why he was so frustrated yesterday but i think you'll see uh, a stronger performance from mercedes but again like phil touched on is that achilles heel of being able to generate tire temperature so long as it's dry they won't have a problem and the car has performed better with higher downforce. So that's why it looks so good around Singapore. And in the first sector and, you know, up until the the, the hairpin, uh, the Kobayashi hairpin, as I call it, um, that you'll need downforce. So you need downforce through uh, the S's, through Degna and into that hairpin. But once you get out there, the route to Spoon and then down to 130R, you're going to be looking at pure straight line performance. And that's where the Mercedes also gets shown up at the moment this year. It's not a lack of power from the power unit. It's just their car is incredibly draggy because we've seen the Williams be able to blow everybody away in sectors with a lot of straight lines, but yet they're propping up the constructor's table. So as long as it's dry, I think George Russell has a chance of returning to that top five form that we've seen through much of this season. But if it rains, they could be in a world of hurt. You know, Alpine and McLaren could be in there or Aston Martin. You know, Lance Stroll did a great job yesterday in the wet. He always goes well in the wet. So does Sebastian Vettel. And, you know, you could see an Aston Martin like pull out a freak result or something. But I think in the dry, Mercedes should be aiming for a podium.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, it's it'll definitely be, as you said, like a weekend of redemption uh for that Mercedes team. And both drivers will be there with a point of proof. But last weekend away into, you know, McLaren made their point that they've been needing to prove for quite a long time this season this season. They've now jumped up to fourth in the constructors, um, after Alpine's absolute horror weekend. And a weekend like that is exactly what McLaren need moving forward. Both their drivers doing very well, the strategy being better than it usually is. Of Often, on, you know, we focus a lot on Ferrari strategies, but I think equally McLaren strategies this season have been slightly questionable. Um, but a great drive from both Norris and Ricciardo saw them score a huge number of points. And if it rains again, like Aaron said, we would hope that McLaren would be up there again.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, I think the issue is, <laughs> you, you know, you gotta hope that maybe there's some confidence that's gone back Ricardo's way, and uh, and he's feeling a bit better um, about himself, so he can t- put in a similar kind of performance. Lando Norris, I don't think there's any doubt that he's gonna put in a performance like that. Um, but a, the, the thing is, McLaren needs it to rain, um, and they probably need Alpine to have a similarly bad weekend to boot. It is a really tenuous grasp on fourth place in the constructors that they have, um, and I think it's it's. You know it's um it's it's tenuous at best it's a, it's a bit of a toss-up really whether they uh whether they continue that form but obviously they'll want to continue it um and it's you never know it's one of the a good result like that can sort of kickstart kick start your team and 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 just kind of set the ball rolling um and it's you know, you've got to remember that the alpines behind um you know they'll be they'll be dejected they've been they've been you know, sort of worrying about the McLarens all season. And, and now their the sort of greatest fear I imagine has come to, has come to pass where they have a nightmare of a weekend uh, in Singapore, where they could have got all a whole lot of points last weekend. Um, and now they've lost, like they've lost the, that, that fourth, that crucial fourth place in the constructors. Um, and it could just sort of all start to mount up and, and it's a psychological battle in, t- in the team and uh, with the drivers at the end of the day. So, um, you know, there's, I think there's there's promise for McLaren there, um, but I think they do need things to go a bit their way.
1: Oh yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. Because Philip, uh, it's just there's been just such a severe lack of consistency. At McLaren, it's just you know one weekend up that you know one weekend they're up, one weekend they're down, you know. Is we're never really sure what Daniel Ricciardo is going to do going into any weekend. We know Lando is going to be somewhere probably around the bottom end of the points because that's where McLaren often finish at the moment. But do you see McLaren regaining any sort of consistency between now and the end of the season with the races coming up for them to, like I said, try and you know luck their way into into fourth into the, in the constructors.
0: I think Gawain mentioned it. You're talking about Daniel Ricciardo in his last few races for McLaren. I think it really has to do with what he does. Um, for a lot of this season with the Alpine team, it's been, it started first at Ocon, and then it became Alonso. And then they both started to finish in the points to get double points finishes, get that huge gap, two versus one. If Ricciardo can have some sort of renaissance of sorts, and finish out this season strong to whatever sabbatical, whether he's going to run WEC, run Project 91 in the States, and NASCAR, whatever he wants to do. Um, if he can get back up there, if he could qualify better, I think that would be a step in the right direction, getting into Q2, um, give himself a chance to get into Q3. And then if you're actually battling with Alonso and ocon then it keeps them in the mix yes last weekend was a great um um, opportunity for them to gain a lot of points best finish of the year for ricardo um it was um the the safety car came out the full safety car came out at a great time for them and um but they're going to need to continue to basically mirror the um alpines they have to be ahead a spot ahead that's essentially what it is if it, they may end up canceling each other out points-wise the rest of the year, but you know they have to take their positions. And if one of these other big three teams have issues, they have to be in a position to pounce for a fourth place or a fifth or whatever that may be. Um, McLaren has that ability. I they're committed to that. I think they're also committed to their future, seemingly, since Alex, the announcement of Alex Pillow being signed for 2024 has came through, Um, but not for Formula One. Of course, that's for IndyCar, maybe, or Formula One or insert racing series that McLaren isn't involved in yet. Um, But, I mean, the fact is they're committed. They want They're here for the long haul. They want to actually be there. Alpine's now going to go through an obvious driver change um with the uh, likelihood of Gasly coming over so it's going to be that's going to take time and then you're going to add Piastri coming into the fold being a rookie he's going to have his growing pains having to learn even though he's very talented so McLaren wants to utilize and especially in this era um every dollar counts um it always did but now with the cost cap era and in certain areas I'm sure they would want that extra position in the constructors championship i think they went into this season believing they were in a position to possibly compete for th- third or maybe definitely fourth so i think they want to fight out, out and and they can make that happen but they need both drivers um, contributing to that
1: yeah definitely and for for alpine aaron the 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 problem Obviously, isn't their pace? It not their drivers? They have a great car. They have great drivers who are scoring great points, and they're doing a brilliant job. The problem is now reliability. They can't have another weekend like that because not only are they probably going to now have to take penalty points for whatever failures happened in their car last weekend. The last thing they'll need is any more penalty points um, stacking up later. You know, uh, later in the season, which could then cost them fourth in the constructors.
3: Yes, it's never ideal to have a double failure to finish. It's even worse when the team you're closest to in the championship goes and scoops the best possible result available to them. It's a big weekend, this, for Alpine, because they've got to bounce back and they need to really, like Phil said, they need to get themselves ahead in this battle on the track with McLaren, and that's going to start by finishing ahead of the Papaya cars in Suzuka. Alpine's only sort of saving grace is the fact that they had enough of a buffer ahead of Singapore to suffer this double DNF and only end up four points behind. And then that, that came because McLaren got a little bit lucky, a little bit fortunate with the timing of the safety car, and it allowed Ricardo to really vault up the order. But, you know, that, that should serve as a bit of extra punishment because Ricardo normally wouldn't be that far up the order. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for Alpine because they're, they're trying to manage this this battle on the track. They're also trying to convince drivers to come and join their team. And apparently only Esteban Ocon wants to drive for them because Piastri said no, Alonso's going over to Aston Martin. I'm not quite sure what his thinking is there. But they haven't yet announced a, a second driver, which that that concerns me, that lack of direction in terms of the team knows what's happening off the track, so they can then just start piling in on the stuff that's happening on the track. In this sort of situation, you would full focus on what's happening on the track. So you do, you do wonder quite where the direction is at Alpine. They do fluctuate quite a bit, but they have a faster package than the McLaren. They're regularly just a little bit ahead of them, and especially with Alonso at the moment, who's driving beautifully, although he's not quite getting the fortune, it's, it's important that Alpine, I believe they failed to score in the last two races, actually. Um, I'm just thinking off the top of my head because um, Ocon didn't score. And I think Alonso, yeah, he failed in um, Italy, didn't he? So that's two races, double DNF. So even worse. Um, yeah, it's really important we can even more so now because they've got to get back to, to scoring wise.
1: And definitely they can't afford anymore. Um, double sort of um uh yeah, double nil poids, as you say in French. Um but uh Owen, you have to there is always a certain confidence in Alpine when their car isn't failing, that they are gonna score points. And the inevitability is that as Aaron said, you know, Fernando Alonso is doing a great job when his car um gets him to the end of the race and Ocon also is doing a good job you know they've got two very good drivers on there more than capable of taking them to fourth place
2: yeah um yeah I was just having a look back through the results and if we go back to Belgium which I think is probably the nearest track in terms of um sort of layout and configuration and 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 the types of corners that are, are, are in there are in there um you only have to look at Alpine's results. Um, obviously, it was slightly affected by uh, some retirements and some and uh, slightly poor strategy, I think, for Charles Leclerc. But um, you know that's got Fernando Alonso and uh, Esteban Ocon in fifth and seventh, um, respectively. So it's not out of the realms of possibility that the car is uh, the car is fast enough um, to pull out results. Um, and you know, it's a it's a track that it should suit. Um, you know, I don't i don't I, I can i can really see uh the alpines um sort of overturning assuming in a, a, a normal race um i can see them overturning that four points and it is a blessing that they had that kind of buffer that they needed for situations exactly like this i think it's almost um you know two races without scoring points is uh particularly with sorry three dnfs in them is uh, is not is not great um, assuming they can keep the reliability together, uh, and they're not affected by, as you say, sort of penalty points later in the season, um, particularly here at, at Suzuka, I think this is one of their better chances um, to grab some points and, uh, and and sort of put McLaren back in their place.
1: Mm, very much so. It's is a very sort of a crucial time for Alpine right now, just to to make sure that they're bouncing back and they're getting good points again if they if they. Uh, want to stay um, ahead of McLaren. But um we take sort of a big leap downwards, uh Philip, especially in the constructor's point standings. But um Alpha Romeo, um I mean Joe right now can't get any luck. He's really he's really not um not been a very lucky person having, you know, Nicholas Latifi not looking in his mirrors isn't isn't helping that. Um and then just Bottas not really having the pace. It could be, a, it could be quite a tough weekend for, for Alfa Romeo because it's really hard to ever predict where they're going to be, but more often not one of them is going to be out in Q1. And that's the
0: shame of it. I think at the start of the year, the two customer Ferrari teams had uh, good starts minus the you know power unit issues or other things that may have came up as the season has gone on, both uh, Alpha, Sauber, and and Haas have kind of gone downwards and have been very inconsistent. Uh, This race yesterday was a perfect opportunity. If Joe could have finished, probably would have been in the points or had a chance at points. Uh, Botas, uh, you know, just another unfortunate weekend for both of them, really. And it's something where and it's true what you said that, um you know, the, we don't know what they're going to be from week to week, from race to race. I mean, Botas ends up finishing 11th. He ended up being, what is it, 28 seconds or, or 19 seconds off of the points. And there were, what is it, he finished ahead. There was only one other car in a lead lap that was Magnussen right behind him. So, I mean, maybe they'll show up. They'll have a good piece for there. I'm thinking more they'll be better at uh, the flyaway races at the U.S. Grand Prix and Mexico. That's my thinking because of the power. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a race where you just don't want to take damage. At this point, that's where all, some of these teams are at. You know, it's some of the accidents. I mean, Haas is in that role um, considering the stuff with Mick, some of the massive accidents he's had. I though for Joe having that horrible wreck at uh in the British Grand Prix to start the race, I think you know just finishing is is the goal. whether they actually get anything out of it um, points wise um is is maybe secondary um being able to get data uh to build towards next year. I think that's really what it is for them hopefully Joe can actually get a finish I think he his weekend was left wanting I think he would have been able to kind of sneak up there he would have been right there with Botas probably uh but we'll see what happens with that they're both back for next year they know that uh at least for one more year it's continuity so it's really building towards 23 for those guys and everybody behind them
1: yeah exactly um, Aaron, I was just having a look through the results. You know, it's, it really is such a mixed bag for Alfa Romeo. Like, like away, and I sort of looked at Belgium to see where they were. Cause it's similar, but they were absolutely nowhere. Uh, almost well, Bottas a lap down, show almost a lap down. But then Italy with the high speed. You know, Joe was tenth, and but I think that's more to do with his uh, the DRS train that kind of forms in Monza. Uh, which you're not really going to get, especially with the first couple of sectors in um, Japan. It's just it's going to make it a bit more difficult to follow. So, you know, there's not really high hopes for points, uh, Alfa Romeo, but, you know, if they could sneak 10th, I guess they'll be incredibly happy with it.
3: Yeah, I think they're, they're on the fringes of the points. And the, the, for me, the, the big problem for Alfa Romeo has just been their massive... Unreliability. I think they've completed the fewest amount of laps between all the teams this season. It's absolutely wretched. I mean, Bottas started this season absolutely with porridge full in his belly and someone needs to feed him because he hasn't scored any points since Canada, which for a, a race winner of his calibre, that is quite the barren spell. And Joe has only scored... Uh, once since Canada as well, which was, of course, the Italian Grand Prix, um, in which he finished behind Nick De Vries. And I don't think that's, you know, a slight against the two drivers. And Joe, of course, is a rookie, but he's done a good job and thoroughly earned that new contract. And Bottas, well, we know what Bottas is. He is he's very good on his day. But that car has just been so unreliable. Like, it just, it's got the pace to be solidly in the midfield. It just, At the slightest hint of a breeze, it just goes, no, I'm falling apart today, that's it, I'm out of here. So they've just got to, you know, cross their fingers and hope that the engine and whatever else in there decides that it wants to play ball and can make it to the checkered flag because they've, they've got a car that can, on its day, trouble Alpine and McLaren. And that's basically all there is to it, really. They just need to get to the finish
1: exactly but uh Val for Romeo, that is easier said than done given <laughs> um given everything that's happened I mean that team has been so unfortunate uh, with reliability and other idiots on track uh, this year that uh it's made it their season a lot harder than I think we would have supposed it would have been but awayne uh, we move to A team that's out clawed, and I mean clawed their way to P seven in the constructors. It Aston Martin have a horrific car, but what Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll have been able to do with it, and drag that team not just through the mud, but through just all of, well, just all of Lawrence Stroll's crap as well. to get themselves into P seven, and to be honest, you don't really think they're going to lose it, even though they only have what three points on both Haas and Alpha Romeo. You would kind of bet your money on them doing much better than those teams now.
2: Yeah, they've done a twenty twelve Alonso, haven't they? They've uh, they've very 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 quickly, like not very quickly, sorry. They've, they've just little by little, um, really start. I mean, I. I i'm completely amazed that bottas hasn't scored since canada um but i think it's those kinds of things that have allowed them to just kind of creep up to in my opinion within like with, within distance of uh getting a sixth uh, a sixth spot in the constructors um overall for mayo um I, you know we're, we're right down into into the into the area of the championship where results now you know any result you can get, even if it's just part, uh, finishing ahead, out of the points of your of 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 your rivals, is is going to make a big difference, um, because they are three. You know, let's let's be honest, they're three points off ninth. Um, they're three points off ninth, and th- they 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 need to sort of continue what they're doing to to get near Alfa Romeo. Um, so uh, it's it's contentious, and they just kind of need to. They they just need to keep doing what they're doing and, and and a good result in Japan is what they absolutely need for it. Um, I didn't have the foresight to uh to go and look at where they were for Bel uh, they were in Belgium. I'm going to use that as my reference point from this point onwards. But um, I mean it wasn't it wasn't terrible um for the most part. I mean they were they, you know just it, it was a couple of points for for Vettel and, and and none for uh for Lance Stroll. But he was there in eleventh and not far off. And not far off getting points but it's just i I think it's they've just kind of kind of keep plugging away and just keep stealing the points when they can get them obviously they had a a pretty good weekend uh in singapore um and i think the the biggest thing is that they they can't afford to make rookie errors or silly mistakes luckily um the people they've got behind the wheel shouldn't do but it or you know it, we're at the point where it could take uh, uh a slow pit stop and and they're, they're and they're in ninth place in the constructors so it's it, it it's a little bit you know it's high, highly pressured where they're at but i i think if they continue doing what they're doing they can they can move up another spot in the uh, in the constructors championship
1: no precisely and Philip, like while this Aston Martin, as I said earlier, has been an absolute woeful car, and on a Saturday it continues to prove just how bad it is because it's never really anywhere near Q three in the race. That car just seems to have something over all of the other midfield teams, whether it is just their strategy, they use, you know, their how much they use their tires, just. All of these sort of things have combined, which means that they are consistently scoring more points than, you know, the likes of AlphaTauri, Alpha Tari, Alfa Romeo and Haas. And if you are Alpha Romeo, as sort of Wayne said, you know, you would be maybe slightly worried that you've got two drivers that seem to be doing very well with the equipment that they have and could then challenge for that place in the constructors.
0: Yeah, the... Owen made great points about that. I mean, this whole battle between those three teams, uh, four, yeah, four teams, everybody outside, I think, um, everybody outside of Williams is, is very tight. It's really about, you know, it's tense, hundreds uh, amongst them in qualifying. Um, yeah. The Aston is not great, as you said, in qualifying trim, but in the wet, obviously it seemed pretty stable uh, yesterday or last week, um, depending on when you're hearing this. Um the notion that they couldn't go and sneak up the the table may be part of the reason. Maybe it is a strategy, like you're saying, Louis. It might be that might be the reason why L Plan decided to go there. Like I'm everybody there's plenty of people trying to figure out why he did that. Uh, and maybe that is one piece of it. I mean, Vettel, he's one one eye on, one eye out, you know. Uh, in regards to his career now in Formula One, but it looks like they're building. Um, there are other things going on behind the scenes, of course, that are not great, but the car, while fundamentally flawed in many ways, they have made progress from being absolutely nowhere to actually being able to grind out a point or two here and there when when it's given the opportunity. And that's something that you have to give them credit for relative to where the start of the season was. It also makes it tough for the likes of Alphatori who have been wildly inconsistent. And then the two um, Ferrari customer teams who have had a litany of issues, both reliability crashes, et cetera, et cetera. That's where Aston Martin, just by staying out of the fray, so to speak, they've um, kind of snuck up there. And um, maybe one more... Good result like that, maybe two more kind of results like that the rest of the year, and it could be um, uh, really uh, pr- profitable going into twenty
1: twenty three. Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's got to be some reason why he's going there, and it's, it's clearly they have um, it's, it's something that uh, that a uh, Fernando wants, and what Fernando wants uh often doesn't get. So uh, it'd be interesting to see how it does play out. Um, but Aaron, we'll move on to, to Haas. And it's weird because Kevin Magnussen is a very, very good driver. And he gets himself into great positions in the first lap. But then he also gets himself into accidents in first lap, which means that with the way that Mick doesn't really score many points, he kind of ruins his, house, his you know, weekend within the very first lap, you know, and given how you know tight that first two corners in Japan are, you know, you'd be really if I was sat on the pit wall, I'd be really hoping he just comes through it, you know, with his front wing.
3: Yeah, maybe he needs to relax his uh, inner lap one Grosjean-ness uh, from twenty twelve and keep everything on the car. I mean maybe this is why Haas have not really developed that car all too much because they're constantly having to reconstruct front wings for Kevin Magnussen. But I mean jokes aside, he's done a fantastic job for that team. Let's be honest, I think we all thought that team was pretty much dead and buried about 18 months ago and they were probably drifting their way out of Formula 1, probably going to be sold to someone and Go through a thousand different names and then they'd end up in the hands of someone who was all right on paper, but actually had a dodgy background. And, you know, we've seen many teams go through things like that. But they've turned themselves around and they've got oh, they've got themselves into a position where they can almost cherry pick their own driver lineup. I, I, I heard over the weekend that there was uh, a lot of talk about Ferrari having influence over the second seat. I don't think they do. So Mick Schumacher has got to drive and earn that. I mean, he's left the FDA anyway, so he's definitely got to earn it, but there's no reason for it. It has to keep him. But as for Kevin Magnussen, I mean, he's done a brilliant job. And yes, he's had a few skirmishes here and there, and he's made friends with the meatball flag. So it's been a very eventful season for Haas, and I think the fact that they're they're comfortably going to finish off the bottom of the table this year is testament to how well they developed pre-developed the car and how well they've they've operated it because they scored good points early in the season. Okay, the points have dried up a little bit in the mid in the middle of the season, but you know this could be a track where they maybe pull a, a result out of P eight P seven. You know K-Mag could, could do something special as long as he keeps the front wing intact. So it's not all doom and gloom at has, it's it's just the the classic midfieldness of a midfield team where they have a few races where they're really good, and then they'll have a few races where they're kind of nowhere, and then they reappear in the midfield again. So, you know, from what this, this team could have been, you know, it could have been a black hole of despair and people going out of jobs when the world is you know in such a difficult situation they've they've kept themselves afloat and you know all the power to them they are doing great in terms of well compared to last season at least so very happy for them i think the last five races are a bit of a free hit for them
1: Mm, yeah exactly um and away you know this weekend uh, it'll be Mick's first time driving, what well, I think an F one car around Suzuka. I'm not. He may have been here previously in his career. I'm not too sure. But especially in the last three or you know two or three years, he definitely wouldn't have raced here. So you know, it presents a good opportunity for Mick. You know, on a on a brand new track to to maybe show us something that we haven't really been seeing for him for a lot of this season. And like Aaron says, you know, be you know a part of the surprise when Huss find themselves back up in the midfield.
2: If I could unmute, that'd be great. Uh potentially. Um I don't I I don't see it, I'll be honest. Um uh, I think Mick Mick's been sort of fine, I think would be the best way to put it. He's not he he's, he's been there or thereabouts and to be honest he has, he's definitely toned down some of the more um expensive <laughs> to be honest uh elements of his driving. Um but he's not I don't think he set the world alight really. Um and I I I, I think he as I said, he really does have to, he's going to have to drive his socks off um, in the last, in the next five races, uh, obviously, including Japan, um, to really uh, make sure he's got a hand, uh, to, to make sure he stays in F1. Um, because, you know, Haas do kind of have this somehow, an, uh, you know, enviable position of having this ability to pick um, who they want. And I don't think Mick is necessarily the, the preferred option at the two teams' That do the two other teams, sorry, that do have spaces. So uh, I think he needs to have a good race. Um, I'm not, into, I'm, I couldn't tell you whether he has raced uh, at Suzuka, but I think it's uh, before. But uh, you know, it's um, it, it's not dissimilar to other uh, uh, to other tracks, as I've said. Um, but I think it's more. I don't, I don't think that's going to make too much of a difference here. I think he just needs to, you know, try his best to finish you know where he's been finishing for the last few last few races to be honest where which has been sort of in that in that 12th to 13th you know range to uh, 11th 12th 13th and hope um that he that he can grab some points unfortunately that is close to what he was looking for the year before um which is not it's not the best thing in the world to be honest so you know those shows he's not almost not um not really gone forward. I don't know how much of that is the car and how much is him, but um, I think, I think it's a, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one for him. And, uh, you know, I wish the best for him because I do like to see him Mick around, but, um, I don't don't think it's going to be a walk in the park to keep that seat.
1: No, he's definitely, he's under a lot of, a lot of pressure now. And I think even, you know, even with that Ferrari backing, it, it still would have been difficult for him, but, uh, We'll kind of speed run, you know, these last two teams with uh, with you, uh, Philip and Aaron. So, Philip, we'll start with you. Alpha Tauri uh, are terrible. Um, but, yeah. you know, other than that, there's not really too much you can say. You know, UQ is back to normal UK, And if it, re- you know, if it rains, I know it's his home Grand Prix, but I'm not going to particularly expect much. And then Gasly, who is, you know, Definitely looking for the door right now. Um, only been able to pick up a single point last weekend, and it's not really what AlFatari need.
0: Yeah, and you know, him coming out and basically saying they screwed up a possibility of a decent result, as it says on motorsport.com, uh speaks to where he is going. I mean, mentioned it earlier in the whole Alpine conversation. Um, Nick DeVries also was brought up as well earlier. So um, yeah, the end of days for Pierre Gasly at the Red Bull driver development farm. Um, he'll probably won't be great. Um, Yuki will want to have a good run this weekend. Uh, he'll do it with, he'll do it with flash and pizzazz. And now whether that flash and pizzazz actually involves him finishing or him going up in a ball of flames is to be determined, but you know i mean he is to two sato 2.0 um he lives up to that every grand prix and um gotta credit him for that and he looks like any number of video game characters you can come up with too but um credit to yuki um for holding on to his ride i think Owasa's coming for that one uh in 2024 uh, and then whoever else is left in red bull's driver development program since it's been so successful But for Gasly, I mean, I think for him to get into another car and whatever RG Bargy that might be involved with him and and Ocon, notwithstanding, I think him being in a factory ride with another team, a completely different entity, and a fresh start is something he really needs at the moment to keep him progressing. Because this year has been a terrible year. And even going back to last year, it wasn't as great you know, coming off of 2020 when he won uh, his first Grand Prix. So, I mean, it's, it's something to see. Who knows what they'll do? I'm sure Honda will try to bring, or whoever they want to call it, Red Bull power units, whatever they call it, is going to want them to have the best of everything in regards to the uh, power. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, maybe they can pull a result, but it's highly doubtful.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's really highly doubtful. You know, a team that's been so successful over the last few years, just really kind of plummeted down. It's been a bit of a shame to see. But um, Aaron, team at the back, they've been at the back pretty much all year. But um, Alex Albon, still really recovering from that surgery. We didn't see the best of him in Singapore. And then we saw uh, what Latifi is um, capable of in a Formula One car. Uh, last weekend um, by just crashing into the side of Guan Yu Zhou for absolutely no reason. So um, I guess my only question is to you is uh, which lap will Latifi inevitably end his race on?
3: Uh it's, it's a bit harsh on Latifi. I mean, I mean Guan mean Zhou was a victim of Latifiism again because... This is the second time he's taken, Romeo, taken an Alfa Romeo out of the race in five races, I think, which doesn't bode very well. But in defence of Nicholas Latifi, mirrors on an F1 car are about as useful as a chocolate teapot. So, and it's even less so in the wet. So, uh, yeah, there, there, there is some sort of defence there, but he is taking a grid drop for that because you know he'll qualify somewhere above twentieth, of course in this Williams. Um, Albon's got a chance of maybe getting out of Q1, but I I think they'll be quick in the final sector on the run down to 130R, but whether they can maintain that speed through the corner and then into the braking zone through the chicane is, you know, questionable. It's going to be a bit of a struggle for Williams. Again, it's just, it's, it's a learning year for them, isn't it? Just try and work out what works on the car, what doesn't. Like so many of the teams that aren't Red Bull, um, you know, just work out what works on the car, what doesn't, and if you're Ferrari, just you know, hire some strategists. That and you know, that's you're good to go for 2023. So I can't see Williams really progressing much further than the bottom five in in qualifying and the same in the race, barring an an event of wild proportions where. Cars are falling out left, right, and centre, and they're all like the top cars. Can't really see anything other than a lower mid- midfield finish for-, for Williams, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and if to, to I mean to be fair to Williams, if we take you know the kind of comparison that owain has been using, and I've been using kind of uh, that of Belgium, Albon did get tenth, and that was on legitimate pace, so. There might be some hope, but I think he is still recovering somewhat from his surgery and all the complications that came with that. So we definitely didn't see what I think um, Albon is fully capable of last weekend. I think it may still have to wait until you know the US or Mexico before we actually start seeing um, Albon back to his best. But there we go. We are all through all 10 teams. So it's now time for some predictions. So, Wayne, we'll start with you. Um and your podium prediction for this weekend?
2: Uh, oh, I mean, I, I think part of me is just thinking it'll be a, a, a Red Bull one-two with Max Verstappen on top, uh, exactly where he needs to be. Um, even if it doesn't, even even if, if even if going into the the final few laps, it doesn't it doesn't look that way. I think if uh, if, if they need to swap the drivers, Red Bull will, um, and then if, I mean, it, I think Charles Leclerc's got more of the pace. But I don't see Ferrari not messing it up. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with George Russell for third place.
1: Fair enough. And Philip?
0: Yeah, Verstappen. And uh, we'll go. I'll actually go with Leclerc. Or no, actually, no. That would mean he has to score eight more points than Leclerc, right? So if he gets fast to slap, he still gets it. So Verstappen goes and gets the fastest lap, wins, Leclerc finishes second, still gets knocked out of the World Championship, and Sergio Perez finishes third uh, on Sunday.
3: Uh, I'd like to see uh, someone other than Verstappen win and other than Red Bull, Um, but I don't think we will. I think Verstappen will probably win the race. Perez will probably finish second. Ferrari will find a way to to not finish on the podium. So uh, Lewis Hamilton third.
1: Um, I'm going to go with. I'm going to still. I'm going to go with. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to say Perez wins the race. Sign second. Verstappen third. But he's still going to win the world championship. I think something's going to happen with Leclerc, you know, strategy-wise, or... Oh, no, he can't, because Perrault's... Actually, I can't do that. Oh, well, it rolls on to US, but Leclerc's out the championship. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, bold prediction, uh, Owain. Um...
2: Oh, I don't know. Uh I'm gonna go with a McLaren on the podium. Cause I can. Yeah, we're at this
1: point in the season. You can just say it. Um Philip. Uh
0: Fred qualifies in the top five and finishes in the top four. That's part of his plan.
3: Fair, fair enough. Aaron? Uh oh. Aston Martin to get a top ten points finish. Fair enough. Um,
1: I'm going to go with both harses in the points. I think I think that's uh, is bold enough, uh, considering how how terrible Haas are at the moment. Um, so yeah, that is all from from us today. If you are listening to the show right now, know that we do live stream all of our shows as you can see but if you don't um you know subscribe to us on YouTube why not you know you get to watch all of the shows as they're recorded you also get to interact with us into in the comments uh we do post shows after um after you know the podcast um so you know come in and say hello and if you do come over make sure to subscribe and also hit the bell notification so you're notified. Every single time that we upload. Uh, we're also available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, uh, Verbal, as well as the F4 Chronicle websites. Um, we also have a huge back catalogue of shows, you know, 235 shows for you to listen to if you're stuck uh, between now and the weekend for something to listen to. We don't just have race reviews and qualifying reviews. We also have our Fireside podcast, as well as more documentary-style uh, podcasts like um, Air Senna and the 1994 Benton Conspiracy. So make sure to check them out. Uh, we also have a Patreon, so if you want to donate uh, to us for better lights, mics and recording equipment, uh, any donations are incredibly... Um, uh, incredibly welcome, and also it's just amazing for anyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, and if you also want to support the uh, podcast, you can check out the F1 Chronicle uh store. I don't have my mug that I usually uh, have, uh, but um, is, is that a one away?
2: I don't think it's the right one, so I, w- I won't hold it up.
1: Fair enough. Um, but there's uh, loads of stuff on there, so if you want to get yourself some F1 Chronicle merch, uh, check it out there. Now, uh, I'll give each, everyone a chance to plug themselves, so starting with you, Aaron, uh, where can our listeners find more from you?
3: Sorry, mouse problems. It, it's a bit slow in reacting. Um, you can find me on Twitter at 5 underscore red underscore lights. If you're watching the the YouTube version, you can actually see my links uh, on my screen, perhaps. Uh, so you can find me there, you can find my show on YouTube and on all good podcast platforms. You can find my written work on f1chronicle.com and insidef2.com. Thank you, Aaron.
1: And Philip, where can you find more from me?
0: Yeah, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. And uh, Philip G. Matthew 28 on Instagram. Uh, you can find my show, The Grip Strip Podcast, with Josh Afine, JP at JP Huffine on Twitter. Um, we're at Grip Pod. Uh, basically, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find the Grip Strip Podcast. If it goes fast, we usually talk about it on the GSP. We'll be doing episode 137 in a kind of a different form tonight, uh, later tonight here in the U.S. So uh, we'll be talking about all things Singapore. We'll also be talking about Talladega for the NASCAR weekend. The Roval will be coming up this weekend for NASCAR. So that'll be uh, crazy. Um, Japanese Grand Prix preview. And the great race, Bathurst 1000, is coming up this weekend. So amongst things that we'll talk about in the roundup. And NFL uh, stuff that's going on since the 49ers are going to be playing here in a few hours. So I'll be probably live um, announcing while my show is going on. So that could go good or bad. So um, thanks uh, for listening. Thanks for following. Um, great job by you, Louis. Um, great to be on with you guys, Owen and Aaron. And it's great to always be a part of
1: the Grid Talk team. Thank you very much, Philip. And finally, Wayne.
2: Um I tweet things sometimes, but I've said that twice this week uh, over the course of this weekend, so I'm, I'm not going to bother with that. Uh, but I think the best way to find me would be when I'm a co-host here on the Grid Talk podcast. Um, that's, that's, I think, the easiest.
1: Yeah, the same, the same goes for me. Um, if you want to hear my views on Formula One, I'm usually on here, so um, whether it's hosting or as a guest, so if you want to you know, um, again, anywhere from me. Make sure that you're following the Grid Talk podcast. And yeah, you get to hear from lovely people like me and my guests um, today. So, obviously, I want to thank all of my guests for joining me today. We will, of course, be back this weekend. Um, it's an early race, so not quite sure, but it'll be roughly around midday UK time for both the race and the qualifying show. So, make sure to stay tuned and obviously. Until then, stay safe and goodbye.